You're listening to episode 110 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today I have the extra special Amozwa Isiramin joining us. She is a certified life and intelligent neural leadership executive coach, and she uses emotional mastery and a neuroscience-based approach to empower and prepare clients' hearts and heads to take the journey from where they are to where they want to be by bravely accessing and optimizing their limitless brain potential. And this absolutely shows through. Her passion shows through. She has the most mesmerizing voice as well. And Amozua works with individuals, teams, and organizations to help them drive greatness from within by becoming neural leaders with clarity, confidence, and courage. We covered a lot in this episode. We really dove into things. And Amozua talks to us about being human and embracing the imperfections that come with that. There are a lot of them, as we all know. Uh, She talks to us about learning to navigate our emotions, to recognize that they're temporary and that they'll constantly be shifting as well, becoming the CEO of our own brains, Uh, motivation versus inspiration. That's always a really big one for me. And really digging into what happens in the brain when we're motivated, but why that doesn't always last and how we can actually move towards implementation. Amozua talks to us about the purpose of fear and what that holds for us and how it can actually be used as fuel and which emotions are actually kind of more resourceful than others. I really love how she phrased that as well. Almost also asking us some really powerful questions and giving us some actual exercises that we can use to tame our inner chihuahua, as she likes to call it, which I absolutely love. So I cannot wait for you to hear this one. I think that it's going to be really, really powerful. Uh, We covered a huge amount in it, and I'm so excited to share Amozua with her. With you, I, I just actually met her a few weeks ago. We connected online and we had such an amazing connection. She's such a beautiful human. I said, I have to have you on the podcast. It, this is just fantastic stuff that we're talking about. I think we jumped on for a 30 minute call and we ended up talking for three hours. <laughs> so as you can tell, Amozua and I have a lot to discuss and she has so much to share with us. So if you want to reference anything that we listed in uh, the episode that we mentioned in the episode, or to connect with Amozua, make sure to go check out the show notes over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Everything will be listed over there and let's jump in. Hi there. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And I'm so excited to have Omazua joining us today. Omazua, please tell us all about you and thank you so much for coming on. You and I totally met uh, kind of accidentally a few weeks ago and I just fell in love with you and I'm so excited that you're on today. (laughs) Same here, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I am always very happy to meet um, new inspiring people. And like you said, uh, we came across each other just a few weeks ago, two weeks or something ago. And it just clicked so well, um, like-minded souls, I'd say. So yeah, thank you. I love it. Oh my gosh. So explain to everyone a little bit of what you do because you have, I feel like you have a really sort of all encompassing type of uh, coaching and services that you offer. And I love how you kind of come at things from so many different angles. So I'd love to hear more about that and how you ended up doing what you're doing because you've got a really kind of unique journey as to how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So um, I started I have a teaching background and I have been teaching for over 20 years now so I was exposed from a very very early age to humans and had the opportunity to observe how they go about living you know when you're young you don't really know what the challenges are that adults face and it's amazing to just observe that now as an adult myself (laughs) Um, it's interesting to see how we deal with things, with stress, with challenges, with 
things that feel overwhelming. And I think that in that was actually how my whole interest in humans thriving started. How do you go about uh, overcoming uh, traumatic experiences? Why is it that some people, despite what they go through, they just, you know, they don't give up. They maybe mourn for a while, but then they get back on track. And some people, they really struggle through that. So that was always something that intrigued me and made me go into life coaching i thought wow that must be a way to understand how people get through this how do they become resilient um when i finished that i then was still i felt there's something missing and then i got into emotional mastery i did that for about two years added that on to life coaching but the curious nature of my being wanted more and then i got into neuroscience just understanding the brain and that was it for me i felt that that was the missing link i then realized that there is so much that we can control manage navigate when we understand that we have to become the ceo of our brains we need to make it work at an optimized level we need to watch our mental energy we need to know how to navigate our emotions and how we react to other people are we reactive are we responsive and all of that just came together and it created such a beautiful understanding of how we can go through life and we can facilitate the processes we use to operate, to understand, to relate, to connect. And that's just magical. And so, of course, it just seemed natural to enter leadership, you know, leadership development, helping people with that, helping leaders, business people, entrepreneurs, um, um, mid to top level corporate professionals, executives, uh, speaking about it. I just recently went to the Neuroscience for Business and Leadership Conference here in Luxembourg, and I was so, so flabbergasted, actually, by the amount of knowledge that leaders who have opened themselves up to this way of operating uh, it was just very, very inspiring. And it gave me that feeling, yeah, Omo, you know, you are on the right track. This is the missing link for me. And it works so wonderfully. So that's just uh, my story. You know, I remember a time when I would not face my emotions. I didn't know I could talk about them. I didn't know I could feel. I didn't, I felt, okay, if you talk about your emotions, people are going to say you're so emotional. But it took a while to understand that that's, there's nothing wrong in that. We are emotional beings. Why hide that, right? Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that too, about how people can almost use you're so emotional and, and it's, it's sort of intended to be a little bit of an insult. And, exactly. and, and which is funny because you're, you're absolutely right. We are all emotional. It's just a matter of whether we actually address our emotions or not. And most of us have started to figure out that when we don't address our emotions, the consequences are not so great. <laughs> They're not so great. You struggle, you feel frustrated, you feel trapped, you feel stuck. And the, 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 the solution just lies in facing those emotions, talking about them, looking at them from a distance. Absolutely. And I can really hear your, your passion through all this. I was like getting chills as you were explaining kind of how all of this comes together and how, how we can be, you know, reactive or responsive and, and recognizing that in ourselves to create greater, not only just greater understanding and connection with each other, but how we can apply that to better ourselves in every way, especially professionally, but in, in all kinds of different relationships in our lives. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you work with people around that and kind of becoming the CEO of our own brains. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, when I start a workshop, I always start the first 10 minutes by saying, well, you know, we are going to spend some time just looking at the brain and the core parts you need to understand. And sometimes I get this like, 
really? This is, this is not what I expected. But after the 10 minutes or 15 first minutes, people then realize that everything we do, every decision, every thought, every, the way you relate, the way you interpret things, it, 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 you, you need your brain for it. So why not understand what exactly is going on? We all know that we get upset. We all know we can overreact. But where does that stem from? Where does that energy come from, right? So it is understanding the brain, the main parts, knowing that you have an emotional brain. Wow, what a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) We have an emotional brain, the limbic system. We have um, a reptilian brain, you know. Uh, We have um, the prefrontal cortex which is the ceo of the brain and that is where you make decisions you negotiate you distinguish good from bad you are able to put all those insights you know when you have your memories you're able to tap into that and then you're able to function and operate and navigate and make decisions and take risks and you need to know when you are not motivated why is that happening Why are you not motivated, even though you listened to two hours of motivational speaking in the morning on the the drive to work? You need to know why is something happening? We are no more um, now in a situation where you just are uh, a victim of what you feel. We, we have evidence that shows, okay, when you're feeling in a certain way, when you feel overwhelmed, when you are just unable to uh, make any proper decision because you feel so stressed or you are being driven by fear, so you're just stuck or you find yourself being very reactive and there's this downward, downward spiral. What is happening? And we now have that whole evidence to tell us when you are in a fight or a flight mode, yes, maybe you are being driven by fear and you have not found a way to not let fear take over you. So when you understand what is happening, when you understand that, okay, if you are uh, having issues to focus on what you're doing because all of a sudden there are emails and all of a sudden you have to answer the, a call and somebody asks you a question and you, you, just, you, just, you are not able to focus on what it is you're doing. What is happening? Why is your brain not working in your service? And when you understand, okay, maybe you have too many cognitive um, demands, tasks at at one time, then you're able to change it. You're able to break things down. You're able to say, well, okay, look, I need to remove all distractions because I need to focus on one thing. And then you increase your performance and you you know how to increase your productivity. If you're trying to be creative and you don't have ideas because maybe you're stressed or maybe your brain is simply tired because you have been working for two, three hours nonstop, what can you do? What are strategies that you can use to just give the brain that pause that it needs so that it functions in your favor? And you perform better. (laughs) Yeah, right? You perform better. You relate better. And that struggle, whatever it is you are facing, you will be able to do it without unnecessary struggle so it's not like all problems go away but i always like to say how about looking at life not in oh it's good it's bad but more as life happens life happens to you at any moment and you just need to be able to know how do i face this situation do i break into panic immediately as a kind of coping mechanism How does that really help me with the situation? Does it change anything? Where can I be in control? What are the things that I can do that will help me not lose the overview of what I need to do? If I want to tap into my insights, 
Well, obviously, if you're stressed and the brain is busy trying to keep you safe by all means possible and by any means possible, you are not going to be able to tap into your inside. And it doesn't matter how long you sit there. It doesn't matter what you do. You need to know, okay, what is, what is the self-awareness? Do I know that I am triggered in this moment? What has happened? Can I assess this differently? What are questions I should be asking myself? So we always talk about emotional intelligence. I always say start with knowing yourself. And how can you know yourself? You need to also know your brain. What are your best times of working? What triggers you? What motivates you? What inspires you? What can you do to keep yourself in balance? So those are the ways, you know, it's, it's wonderful to talk to about values and beliefs, okay? But those really, the, the, those are sometimes for people very frightening, you know? Many people don't want to talk about their emotions, like all of a sudden, right? So you need to explain to them, you know, don't be, be okay. Your brain <laughs> feels interprets feelings your body feels there are chemicals that are released and emotions are not bad emotions are a message that there is something you're doing that needs upgrading or eliminating or course correcting that's a great way of putting it right that's a really great way of putting it that there's something that needs uh like some course correction there's so many things that you brought up there that i that i want to to kind of circle back to one of them is really kind of getting to the root of why we end up not motivated. And like you said, even if, you know, we're all pumped up from uh, listening to Oprah this morning on our morning walk, or, you know, we, we went to some amazing event and we're all fired up, but then there's this disconnect between motivation and implementation. And how do we connect between the two? Because I've often struggled with this myself as well. And I feel like this is especially important for anyone who um, is doing any type of creative work as well. Just like, you know, like writing, writing a blog post even or whatever. It's, it's so hard to be self-motivated sometimes. I'd love to hear more about that. Mm. I always like to talk about the difference between being motivated and inspired. And I like what you said about listening to some motivational uh, speeches, which is okay, right? Because when you are listening to it, what happens in the brain is that you release this uh, uh, neurochemical dopamine, right? The feel good um, 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 chemical. And that makes you feel good and you really feel like, wow, now I can conquer the world. But for any of us, like I am someone who likes chocolate. I like me good too, girl. Me too. <laughs> right? I love good chocolate. And now what happens is when you're eating your, you know, your first bite, it feels awesome. You feel good. But really, what happens two hours later? You need something else to feel good. When you go shopping. It's really nice, right? You've bought yourself a new pair of, I don't know, um, trousers. You've bought yourself some shoes and it feels awesome. And then you get home and it's sort of, you know, you look at all your shopping bags and you still feel like motivated. But what happens two, three hours later? You need to, the brain continuously needs to feel good, right? We humans, we like to feel good. We like to distract ourselves. So that's the problem with motivation. Motivation, which is based on external pleasures, wonderful for a bit, but it's not something you can depend on permanently. You need to feel fired up by something. Your brain needs to feel activated long term so you have to see beyond that sense of happiness that you feel when you go shopping because you know that does not last so know yourself fire fire yourself up for something beyond the obvious right when i go shopping it's obvious that i'm going to buy things and then after that you're going to be wondering okay what can i do next 
But when you're fired up from within, you go beyond just being motivated temporarily. You go beyond that because you can see a bigger picture. There is a purpose. There's something life-changing. There is something you, you, you've, you've cleared yourself up about um, what are the challenges, what are the obstacles you may face. And when you know that you can face those obstacles, you can overcome them, then you are not only motivated, but you are inspired. And when you're inspired, you keep on. You search more. It's easier to not, you know, you, you never give up because you, you see the bigger picture. When people feel bad, they try to distract themselves from that. What, you know, it may feel like um, it feels unpleasant. It feels like a dis-ease within. So you try to distract yourself. But when you do that with temporary things, that only lasts a while. And that's the same thing with motivation. I have been, I remember once going to, um, 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 I can't remember who it was that was talking, um, but it, it was amazing. It was two hours and I felt so fantastic. And even on the way back to our hotel, me and my friends, we were talking about, oh, that was just so inspiring. To be candid, the next day I couldn't find my passport, okay? I was not thinking about that talk. <laughs> I can only imagine. My gosh, that's like every traveler's worst nightmare. <laughs> you know, it disappeared. <laughs> Literally, it had no meaning to me at all. I didn't feel like breathe, uh, you know? So that's the thing. Like, had I known back then that, okay, look, I'm by panicking and running around and shouting and whatever. Uh, that's not going to change the situation. So the idea being, when you understand that the situation doesn't change, but it is what energy are you operating from? Long-lasting or temporary? That's a great question that you just asked. I wanted to really highlight that. What energy are you operating from? Yes. I'm writing that down. That's a good one. (laughs) Yes. And that's where you need to become aware of your power of choice because i think this is something we forget in any situation no matter what that situation is every human has the power of choice but you need to make sure that you are thinking about it that you are aware of it that you are also able to deal with the emotions and the thoughts and the mood that arises with it when you have to make a choice Do I move to Paraguay or do I move to Belgium? Okay. Many obstacles will come. So you need to be able to face those obstacles because the bigger those obstacles appear to you, the more triggered your emotional brain will become. When you are triggered to the fact that your fear circuits turn on, then you are not going to be able to really make any decision in an easy way because it's mixed with fear. And one of our, one of the, you know, humans, we love safety. It's the first, it's a human basic need. And if you don't have safety, you can't focus on being productive or making any decision. I mean, you can, but that's when you start making mistakes. That's when everything feels like a struggle. It feels overwhelming. You don't know, should I look up, down, right, or left? So when you understand these workings of the, of the brain, then it helps you better to use those strategies to make sure that you don't enter a zone where you cannot think clearly where you are in panic zone where you become stressed because all that stems from that are unresourceful reactive ways of trying to deal with the situation and that takes you nowhere yeah absolutely and i mean with all of this talk of motivation versus inspiration and what can kind of light a fire in us i'm also wondering I've, I've heard multiple people talk about this and I'd love to get your thoughts on it is kind of this idea of not just celebrating, let's say, let's say after a launch, 
-hmm. So completing a launch or something like that and having some sort of thing that you do afterwards to celebrate, whether it's buying yourself something or doing some sort of experience or whatever. And then the other side of that that I've heard is that we shouldn't necessarily be rewarding ourselves externally for mm -hmm. doing our job and just doing work that, that we should be doing anyway, or that we want to be doing anyway. So how, I, how does that kind of, how do you approach that from sort of the more neuroscience standpoint? I think that you should reward yourself, okay? I, I talked earlier about our happy hormones, okay? You want dopamine, you want to feel trust, you want to feel connected. We've got those neurochemicals that make you thrive. So you need to be doing things that release those chemicals. You need serotonin, you need oxytocin, you need dopamine. The last thing you want is to have an overdose of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, okay? So the rewards are important, Emily, I would say. I really, when I, even when I coach from session to session, I always say, okay, look, this is the goal we've set. What is gonna be your reward? It doesn't wow. have to be something big. It could be a walk in a park, something that you never do, you know, that you say, you know what, from now on, once or twice a week, I really am going to go for a walk in the green, in the park, just really, um, or I'm going to help my neighbor. I'm going to go to an old, old people's home and I am going to go and read to someone. That's awesome because what. Um, results also show is that when you volunteer, when you help, when you support people, you release those chemicals and that makes you feel good and that makes you feel motivated and even inspired and you feel less stressed. So they all tie in together. I'm not saying now every time you do something good, you should go buy yourself a big, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, don't, I mean, everything in balance, everything in balance, you know, but if, you, if you've had a mile, you've, you know, reached a milestone, yeah, you can celebrate that with something, you know, a drink with friends, cook something. It doesn't always have to be about buying anything, but just recognize it. It could also be something as simple as, journaling about the journey to that point. It's amazing. Oh, such, those are just fantastic examples. And it's, it's interesting you brought up doing things for others because I've been giving that so much thought lately. And there's this whole idea of, of altruism and the fact mm -hmm. that, you know, when we help someone else, is it really an unselfish act because we are benefiting from it as well. But ultimately, I, I don't even really care whether that matters or not because if, if you do something to help someone else, especially mm -hmm. something that they maybe couldn't do as easily for themselves, mm -hmm. then both of you are benefiting. So Absolutely. what's the downside? <laughs> there, yeah, there, there's there, no yeah. downside in my mind. <laughs> there, is no there is no downside. And you know, I always talk about how people say, I really, um, I want to, uh, I want to be happy. I really want to be happy. And my question always is, so what kind of things will make you happy? And, um, you know, people yeah, have freedom, be able to do a job that I love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when I say, okay, what is more important to you, happiness or wealth? Ooh, that gets tricky. Yeah, that gets tricky. And I say, well, you know, w w yeah, well, wealth is important, right? I always talk, it's about inner wealth and outer wealth. Outer wealth is what our ego goes after, which is not a bad thing, okay? There are things that we, you know, we want to be successful in our careers, we want to be recognized, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. But the inner wealth, I think when you volunteer, when you help people, when you support, when you give, when you are active in your community in one way or the other, um, that's also wealth. You give. So isn't it amazing if, you have, let's say you win the lottery and you can send your children to school and you can open saving, saving accounts for them and you can help people. That makes you feel good. It's good for them. It's good for you. That's fantastic. But when you focus too much on yourself, like you said, don't worry too much about what do I get from it? 
that's when people become greedy. That's when people become very self-focused in the wrong way. So it's always making that difference and just knowing that, okay, what, what, what does the brain like? The brain is also very social. So when you help in the community, you release the right chemicals. It makes you thrive. It makes you feel healthy. It's good for your brain health. People talk about what's, what can I do? Yes, there are brain fruits, foods, but there are also this thing about make sure that you're not isolated. And how can you do that? Be with people. And how can you be with people in a healthy way? You need to trust them. For you to have trust and, you know, feel good. Yeah, you need dopamine, <laughs> whether you like it or not. You need the release of serotonin. I mean, think of a team of people that don't trust themselves. How awful is that? Exactly. I mean, even in, you know, whether that's in the workplace or on a sports team Family. or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It applies across the board. And, and I love how you said that too, and, and really brought that up about being social because we are becoming increasingly more isolated, even yes. as we become more connected than ever. I've had this conversation with so many people and, and I'm so guilty of this because as an introvert, I, I tend to pull away. And especially if I am um, going through like any type of, of like trauma or if I'm starting to, if I'm, if I'm just going through kind of like a more negative experience or something like that, that is even more so my instinct is to pull back and isolate myself. But all of the studies are there showing that life expectancy is extended by like social connections and the strength of those social connections more than most other health factors. So yeah, it's an incredible, it's incredible work that's being done. I just don't know that we're doing enough to actually implement it which is a little bit problematic it's all about the awareness it's a new it's a new way of of seeing things though i think it's common sense but again it's all about awareness and i always say do it with compassion and evaluation you know you don't know what you don't know till you know it and when you know it you can grow and you can expand and i also just believe that doing anything in fear you know thinking of fear, people who don't go out, people who don't socialize, people who withdraw. Of course, sometimes you need that, but many times it's not, it's, it's all the sense of lack. I'm not enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I don't speak like those people. I don't have the labels of those people. I don't have their achievements. And you question yourself and there's all this lack that rises up. And then of course, um, you are more in a survival mode than a creative mode, right? So it's knowing the difference between those things and catching yourself when you, you know, I always make this joke when I feel kind of overwhelmed or stressed and I go like, oh, almost well, you're having a limbic moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think you're having a limbic moment. You try everything, you think left and right, nothing is working. And I think, okay, you know, let's, let's do something for the brain. Let's do something to calm the amygdala. I like to refer to it as my inner mind chihuahua. Yes, I love when you told me about this this project that you're doing and how you named it. I am so on board with this. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. The tame, you know, emotional mastery. Tame the inner mind chihuahua workshops and trainings that I do because that isn't that what it is? You're busy thinking, worrying, getting upset, getting angry. You have all these unresourceful emotions. And when they take over, I mean, operating resourcefully, productively, is just not possible. No matter how you try, you can, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel stressed. And it's, how do I take note of what's going on? I have this exercise that I do with people when I do the workshop, which is over seven days to really measure and take note of your emotional set point. So at seven different times, Uh, during the day for a whole of about seven days just write down how you feel what 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 did you feel were you upset did you feel angry did you feel and also important to say I feel not I am 
Mm, that's a very important distinction. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, tell us why that's an important distinction. <laughs> I, it's really, really important because you don't want to become the self-talk is very powerful and you manifest what it is you that dialogue right you manifest that so if you say i am angry you will embody that whereas and and it, then it feels overwhelming and you feel stressed and this leads to the next unresourceful emotion however if you say i feel angry then you can ask yourself power questions I am angry is very challenging. It feels dangerous, but I feel angry. Then you're going to be able to ask yourself, what happened? What, what, what just happened? Did I read something that led to that? Did someone say something? And that enables you to reappraise the situation and just say, well, okay, it's temporary. I am angry. It's like, wow, that can become permanent. You know, there are some people who say, oh, I'm useless at that. I'm always, I'm always failing. I'm never successful. And that becomes your reality. And it directs your actions. But when you know that something is temporary, that you can get over it, you can see that the lizard is just a lizard. The lizard is not a dinosaur. <laughs> That's a good state to be in because when something becomes a dinosaur, it becomes very threatening. And what do you do? You focus on being safe again, which takes you far away from what you want to achieve. So that's why that distinction is very um, helpful. And many people I've worked with, they, they are quite surprised about how their moods and how their emotions change. And then I always say, well, that's being human. How wonderful is it to know that there is nothing wrong with you? It is absolutely normal to wake up in the morning and maybe you felt super happy. Later in the afternoon, you were a bit glum. Sometime in the evening, you don't know why, you just feel sullen, you know? And then by the time you go to bed, I don't know, you can't even remember what it was that made you feel glum to start with, right? Realizing that is very empowering because then it helps you to see yourself as a normal human being with human experiences, right? That's such and, a great reminder. Yeah. Not dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was going to say it, it, it's also, um, that's actually something that I will often remind myself of, I find in recent years, and I don't even know what really triggered me starting this, but if, if I'm going through like a particularly dark moment, I will remind myself, this is temporary. This is yes. not permanent. This is temporary. This is temporary. <laughs> this will not last forever. Like something will change. And, yeah. and it's true. I mean, we never none of us are ever going to feel one emotion and that's the only emotion we feel for the rest of our lives. It's it, that isn't how it happens. Unless you hold on to it, right? Yes. That is an excellent point. Yes. And if we hold on to it, then we're in for another whole set of issues, but exactly. letting it go and, and doing what you were talking about, about not manifesting that self-talk quite so much is yes. such a powerful experience. Yes. And it's easy to do because you ask yourself questions. And then that brings me back to what I mentioned earlier, which is the power of choice. That's such a great example. I, I really want to make sure that everyone goes and checks out what you're offering about the Tame Your Inner Chihuahua, because I think it's fantastic work that you're doing. And I, I absolutely love the name. I love the name. It's so good. <laughs> It's, 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 you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of dogs, but if I had a dog, it's going to be a chihuahua and you know that they can be very, they can be not always, but they can be unruly. They bark louder than other dogs. They, uh, you know, they seek attention and that's what your inner mind chihuahua, that's what the amygdala is doing. It's, it's, it checks for emotions and the emotions you give priority in your thoughts, they take over what you do. So if you focus a lot on fear, that obviously manifests into worry and then worry becomes anxiety and et cetera, et cetera, right? Downward spiral. But if you notice that, okay, I'm reaching that point where it's, you know, fear is taking over and then you just breathe and you walk away from what it is that is triggering that emotion. Breathe, 
talk to someone, listen to music, right? There are different strategies. Simple acts are enough. It's all about just calming your emotional brain down so that you can focus. You can regain focus without feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. I feel like you should do meditations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, like, also- like record them because I'm like almost being put into a trance just listening to you because you have the most beautiful voice and the most gorgeous accent. And just the way that you speak is very calming to me. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard people say that before. You definitely should. I think that you need to make that part of your offerings. I would, I would buy that in a heartbeat. <laughs> No, thank you so much. Yes. I wanted to to bring it into fear a little bit more too, because fear has come up several times here. And mm-hmm. I know that you recently wrote an article about purposeful fear versus the habit of fear and mm-hmm. how fear can actually serve us. Because we tend to think of fear, we, we have in our heads that so many different emotions are either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like anger is bad, especially for women. Like we, we aren't really supposed to get angry or feeling angry is, is a bad thing. It's a bad emotion or fear is bad. Mm-hmm. Even though emotions are just emotions, they're all normal, but we mm-hmm. have these associations. So instead, I, I would really like to hear from you more about how fear can serve us and mm-hmm. what we can do with it. Yeah. So... Um, first of all, I don't like to use the word positive and negative, you right? That's why I use the word unresourceful. Oh, I love that. That's a great one. Okay. There's no such, for me, there are resourceful emotions. They drive you on. They help you face the challenge at hand. They help you speak up when you should. They help you to ask for that. Um, promotion that you want. They help you send out that offer to that company you would love to work with. That doesn't mean there is no fear. It just means that you're not letting the fear take over you. You're making sure that your, your brain, your emotional brain is not triggered by the challenge. Rather, you super fuel this fear to make you take action because you're thinking of, well, you know, courage i feel courageous i feel inspired to get results and maybe it won't go well maybe the outcome will be different but i would know i tried i didn't remain stuck i didn't worry and focus of all the things that can go wrong because what that does is a brain that is triggered can't serve you I want to repeat that. A triggered brain that is in fear mode, fight, flight, is stressed and cannot perform in an optimized state. So when you worry, that means your brain is not in an optimized state. And worse is that when the emotional brain is triggered like that in an unresourceful manner, all your mental energy goes there. So there's nothing left. <laughs> there is, ha, have you tried to make decisions when you're super stressed? It doesn't go well. <laughs> it doesn't go well because you really don't have the mental energy to focus, to think properly, to, you know, really make proper decisions because the the emotional brain has the 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 ceo of your brain the prefrontal cortex has been bypassed by your reptilian brain so it's right now fight maybe even freeze (laughs) yeah or flee and that gets you nowhere so it's learning about how what is your fear response downward or upward right when you know that then you're able to change it people who um are about to run um you know the athletes of course they are afraid right there are thousand things going through their mind but they don't panic (laughs) they don't worry they just focus and they feel that fear to act 
instead of thinking, oh, what if, if I lose? What if, if I fall? What if, if I trip? What if, if I, <laughs> I don't know, thousand, what if, what if? And that just triggers your brain. And while you are focusing on that, you have no mental energy left to actually focus on the run, on the step that you need to take. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and really using that fear to channel you towards bigger things and to, to channel it into what you actually want to accomplish and channeling it into inspiration to bring it back like what we were talking about before, as opposed to just simply motivation or as opposed to just being paralyzed by it more, you know, in, in the worst case scenario. That's so powerful. And if we are starting to feel stuck, what are some of the things that we can kind of do to change that over into using it for purpose? Yeah. So once you notice that you are becoming, you're feeling stressed, you're overwhelmed. Some people, obviously, if you practice meditation, mindfulness, there are different strategies, little things that you can do. Um, how do you not enter overwhelm? Are you learning in chunks? Are you focusing four hours without a break? They always say work about 40 45 minutes and have a 10 minute break. Let the brain just do nothing. It could be just going to get yourself a cup of tea. It could be standing up. What I do, I listen to classic music and just think about nothing. Or I stand on my balcony, water my plants for 10 minutes. If I'm, if I'm at work, I go out and I just stand and look into the sky for five minutes. You need to make sure that you give your brain the time to just do nothing daydream not not the whole day <laughs> but in, in little spurs of time that's so so important because when you do that then you're able to optimize your mental energy you don't feel drained um but once you, you need i think it starts with noticing that something is not working well or it feels like a struggle i think if you can catch it right there and then then you're able to implement the strategies because you don't want it to become too late, right? I yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep on going on. Two hours later, now I am absolutely in panic zone. <laughs> I have been there. <laughs> okay. So, so what, what, is, what is easier to do? It is easier, I think, to make sure to at least 80, 85% of the time, not enter panic zone. So take those steps before it gets that bad. It's like when you're preparing for work, some people like to sort of wait till the last minute, but think of how stressed you are. You start sweating. You don't know if you've forgotten something, you know, it doesn't feel really good, but imagine if you just say, well, okay, look, I'm not going to leave the house four hours earlier, but if I leave the house an hour earlier, it feels much, much better. Do you see the struggle is different? You're yeah. more in flow when you don't put yourself under unnecessary struggle. So noticing that you're getting stressed or overwhelmed is the moment for you to do something like moving away from your desk. Stand up, breathe. There are different breathing exercises, mindfulness practices, and breathing is already, wow, wonderful. Six times in and out, nice and slow. Yawning, yeah, yawning up to 10 times. It just brings that energy, the glucose, yeah, the oxygen that the brain needs to just refresh itself so that then you can recharge and restart. That's so interesting. I never thought of that before because, I mean, obviously we sometimes just can't help but yawn, but to actually purposefully yawn Oh, fantastic. Like 10 times in a row. Man, I'm yeah, going to try that. Stand up, stand up. Of course, the first, you know, because if, you're, if you don't feel like yawning, the first two times might feel like, oh, it's not real. But then it comes. So if you yawn, really, it's amazing. You get oxygen. It gives you, it's, it's very energizing, I have to say. So I make sure that I do that. I actually have a timer on my mobile phone beep then i know it's time to yawn that's a great reminder it's funny when i was at my my corporate job for years i got to the point where i had an alarm go off every 15 minutes to mm. stand up 
Exactly. Things like that. Yeah. Just to get the blood flowing, stand up. And it's funny because now that I actually work from home, I'm far worse at that because I don't, I don't have some of those reminders in place. So this is actually a really great reminder for it's me to really implement that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to get up. Like I said, the brain is able to process better when you work and, or when you focus in chunks. So proper focusing 40, 45 minutes, and then have, even if it's just a five minute break, right? So, you know, when people say, what should I start the day with? Okay. What is, what is more uh, challenging for your brain? If you need to focus on a report where you need to be very accurate or answering emails, both of these activities need energy and focus. But emails, you know, if you're just answering them, that's something you can do in the break. That's something, it doesn't take too much energy. So focus on the most important things first. Use your fresh mental energy on those things. And then later when you see that you're, you know, I don't know how about you, around two or, you know, I'm not the most effective 2, 3 p.m. is more my downtime. So that's when I do things that are not so uh, demanding. They don't really need a lot of cognitive focus, if that, if that makes sense. Then I would go through emails. That, yeah. I'm very yeah. similar. I, around like a, right around 2 p.m. And I've started to notice it more than ever lately. I can almost set a clock by it that it, by 2 p.m., I start kind of like crashing. And, I, and I've actually sometimes will just go lie down for 15 or 20 minutes, not even like a full nap. I'll just like close my eyes and then I get back up and I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm still not as refreshed as I was in the morning, but I feel a little bit recharged. <laughs> recharged, exactly, right? Because if you're trying to focus through, despite the fact that you know very well that your brain is not serving you at that moment what's the point uh, a nap is wonderful i always say never longer than 20 minutes don't yes. don't yeah 20 minutes is really maximum then get up shake a bit drink water um you know and then breathe and then focus again you have the energy to focus on another challenging task and then you get things done so all those little tiny tiny tasks add up and then you feel productive rather than trying to do 10,000 things at the same time. We need to understand that our brain does not have unlimited mental energy. It just doesn't. It drains very quickly. We have to think of it like a battery. So when exactly. we get up in the morning, it, you know, it, it's, like, it's like your cell phone. Picture mm -hmm. your, your brain power declining at the same rate that your cell phone battery is throughout the day. <laughs> exactly what it is so you need to make sure that you know it's like if you're going to go for a walk in an unknown place that's not the time to start uh, watching youtube videos because you need that energy in case you get lost so that worst case scenario you you can call someone and that you're not going to be able to do that if you don't have any if, if you're if you have no more battery left right exactly and when it comes to figuring out tasks too the other thing that i often will think about is when I go to bed tonight, what, what will I be thrilled about that I got finished today? Mm. And it's not usually the little shit. Like it's usually the, the big stuff like, wow. And I don't mean like, you know, an entire, create an entire course in a day or anything, but like if I got a big chunk of mm -hmm. some major project done today, mm. I will feel awesome about it and about myself at the end of the day. And you know how amazing it is if you just journal. I always journal in the evening for about five to 10 minutes. That's a great reminder too, because sometimes I will journal. I, I tend to journal first thing in the morning, but then mm -hmm. I actually, I've stopped journaling the last few weeks because I found that I was, it was actually sucking the energy out of me. So I would put so much into the journaling, even if I kept like a timer on it, you know, like, like 20 minutes tops or something. I found that it was like taking so much out of me emotionally that then mm -hmm. when I went to get down to work, I didn't have as much brain power as the days I did. Exactly. <laughs> but that's exactly the point, Emily. Yeah. That, that brain energy, you really want to make sure you're using it right. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really great reminder to, um, at least, at least for me. So for anyone listening, like give this a try and kind of play around with that because I love journaling, 
but I am definitely finding that, you know, doing something like that at the end of the day is definitely working better for me as opposed to yes, in the morning. Wonderful. Because it also, it sort of boosts your sleep. Yes. Right? write down you know i always have like a post-it if i have these kind of ideas and then i'll or something to record and i say okay um tomorrow morning think about that 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 then it's out of my mind i don't think about it anymore and believe you me the more you practice that the easier it gets to really sleep without thinking about your to-do list yeah i think so too because otherwise you're stressing and you're thinking okay what are my priorities for tomorrow what do I need to start with as soon as I get up? What didn't I get done today? And yeah, if you can just get it out of you and put it on paper, then yeah, just put it on paper. you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and, it. And, and go, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And then you, I journal. I don't journal more than 10 minutes because I journal with power questions. What are you happy about? What went well? What do you love about yourself today? These are great examples. How have you expanded? Oh, I'm going to so, have to go back and add all these questions to the show notes because I need the reminders of these power questions. These are awesome. <laughs> power questions, nothing depressing, nothing depressing. To be candid, I really believe, why would I trigger my brain when I want to go to bed and start thinking of what went wrong? <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm going to use these myself and then you're going to be getting an email from me going, oh, well, this is amazing. Do so, Emily. <laughs> Please do so, Emily. We have to be realistically optimistic, re realistically positive and know when you should do certain things and when you shouldn't do certain things. And I think worrying or thinking of what went wrong when you're going to bed, sleep is very, very important for the brain. It helps you with your memory. It helps with your ability to wake up the next day and make proper decisions, uh, be effective, be efficient. And so what you do, your rituals, your morning rituals, your evening rituals, your uh, afternoon rituals, all of this makes you who you are best. You know, we always talk of that best version. It's not something in a book. It's really from within. When what you operate resourcefully when life happens. What a powerful way to, to wrap this up because I just think that that's such a fantastic example. Alma, this has just been amazing. Let us know where we can find you. And then I want to also make sure that uh, I'll reference it in the show notes, but I want to make sure that everybody can find your uh, Inner Mind Chihuahua course as well. Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on my website. I've got everything listed there. Um, omozua.com omozua.com for people who are active on Facebook. You can also connect with me there, coaching with Omozua or on LinkedIn. So I look forward to talking and sharing with people. Absolutely. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I just have one more question that I always wrap up with. If you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're feeling or uh, thinking, never forget that you are human first. So be compassionate with yourself and treat yourself with no evaluation. It helps you to accept yourself for who you are because the first person who should accept and love you is you. Oh my gosh. You're, you're speaking right into my soul. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this has just been pure magic. Mozua, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative and I cannot wait to share this with everyone because I think this is just going to be amazing. I'm going to be going back and listening to this one more than once. <laughs> thank you so much for the time. There you have it. So if this touched your heart as much as it touched me, I just love listening to Amozua talk. And if you want to check out the journaling questions that she suggested and some of the other exercises, anything like that, or anything that is referenced, how to connect with Amozua, make sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. All the details will be over there and we will be back on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? 
If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.